Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts and give us that five-star rating. Maybe even leave a review to let others know what you think of the show. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about Raised on the Radio. Raised on the Radio has a promo code for one of the best nutrition and supplement companies in the business for you to use. Whether you're looking for a custom oatmeal, a multivitamin, a great tasting protein that you can order by the pound, or simply looking for a company you know you can trust to send you the best quality products available, True Nutrition has you covered. Just go to truenutrition.com, look at all of the great products, place your order, and when you go to make your payment, type in C-E-P-N in the promo code box for 5% off of your entire order. It is that easy. Raised on the Radio's listenership continues to grow with every episode. We are always looking for great sponsorship and collaboration opportunities. If you or anyone you know has a business they are trying to grow and want to jump on board with us, email us at raisedontheradiostl at gmail.com. We would love to connect with you. If you would like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach out through email or on the social medias. You can reach us at raisedontheradiostl at gmail.com or on the Raised on the Radio's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok pages. We also have a new website where you can find all of our content. Head on over to raisedontheradiostl.com. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or topics you would like to get our thoughts on, do not hesitate to reach out. And now, let's get into this episode. Hey everybody, thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. I am one half of the show. I am Colt Brocato, my good friend Patrick Blair in Zoomland as usual. Man, you made it to the woods last weekend and you didn't die. You made it all the way back home. I'm so impressed and also glad that you guys came down for the first time. Yeah, we had a good time. Did you think we were going to die? No, but I thought you, you might have thought that. Country. You don't. You don't live in bear country for fuck's sake. But like, what did you think was going to happen? No, I didn't think so. I thought I knew you'd be fine, but I didn't know how you thought you were going to do. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I joke. I joke, but no, it, it's it's a it's. I mean, I could never do it. I could never live that far away from civilization. But it's pretty <laughs> nice. Too. It's, I'm not gonna lie. Like, that would be like your house would be. Where I would get like I would have like a weekend getaway, just like, you know, a weekend to get away from it all. Yeah, which is bizarre that that's your everyday life. But you know, like I said, <laughs> for me it would be like two days, and then I all right, got to get out of here. Yeah, um, but no, it was fun. Yeah, I had a good time. Good. Yeah, happy birthday to the little man there. Absolutely. He. Uh, How's it feel to have a one year old? It's weird. It it does not feel like it's been a year at all. No, it never does. No. But, I mean, he's up walking around and all that kind of stuff now, too. So, it's all, it all just hits you at once. It, it, yeah. It hits you like a ton of bricks. Just one day, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. What, is he, is he into music yet? Uh, I mean, music as far as like what? Like, if you put something on, does he, like, stop what he's doing and go, oh, What's this? Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, not, well, 
yes when it comes to like TV shows, but I don't know if that's because of the TV show or because of the music that's on the show. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. Like the well, theme, I mean, like I the think theme song to something? Yeah. Yeah, so I think it has a little bit to do with both. So it's kind of funny. This has just started happening in my house. Mm-hmm. You know the Office theme song? Yeah. So I don't know if you know this, but if you're watching it on television, like I know Comedy Central does like a, a run of episodes for like, I don't know, four hours or whatever. So the earlier seasons, for whatever reason, they run the whole song on television. But like season six through the end, they cut it off halfway through. He cries every single time. My son. Because it doesn't finish? Yes. Whoa. It's crazy. We've tried to get it on video, but we're like, we're always like doing something else and our phones in the other room. We're like, one of these times we're just going to have to just like, all right, we're going to plan this out and we're going to capture it. Like, um, do you guys watch the office that much? Uh, well, no, it, just because it's on live TV, it's on a lot. Like oh, it's okay. a lot of like, it's, it's something easy to have on in the background or to just like sit down and put on live TV. Gotcha. I still do enjoy live TV for what it's worth. Yeah. You know, um, but recently I've been on a, a, a bender here lately of watching movies and documentaries, which I have not done in a long time. I got to be honest. Like, I don't even know the last time you and I talked about, Hey, did you see this movie? Like, cause right. I'll be honest with you. I would have been like, Nope, haven't seen it. Don't care. Movie, it's not on movie. YouTube and it's not a fucking new kids on the block live performance <laughs> from 89. I haven't been watching it. <laughs> so yeah, not, not movies. Uh, I mean, I guess there's a documentary here and there that we talk about. Um, you know, there's been TV shows like Ozark and stuff like that, where we, that's an obvious one, you know, but I I don't know about movies besides you just saying like, have you ever seen this movie when it's a movie from like 1989? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch, (laughs) did you watch Prey? I've seen a lot about it, but I have not watched it. Is it worth a watch? I, I enjoyed it. Okay. And here's, here's a controversial take for me. I don't like the Predator movies and I enjoyed it. Okay. I think uh I think Predator is a bitch ass killer alien. That's what I think. I think he's a puss. I think he's he takes the easy way out in all of the movies. He goes camouflage and you can't see him. Ooh. Make it a little bit more harder on the guy. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. But if you put him back in the 1700s, that's a little bit different. You know, makes the story a little bit more interesting. So what this movie essentially is it's supposed to be the first the first time Predator is on Earth it takes place in like 1715 or something in okay. the Great Plains. Okay. It's pretty good. It's it's fun. It's fun. Uh, my wife was like, no, I don't like it better than Predator 1 or 2, but I like it. I'm like, uh, I kind of like it better than both because to be honest with you, I don't know that I finished both of those movies. I'll be honest. Okay. If there was one that I finished more so than the other, it's probably Predator 2 based on when it came out. And the fact that it had Danny Glover in it. Like, I wasn't a big Schwarzenegger. Well, first of all, I was way before. I was a little, little kid when it came out. But either way, it's it's fun. Watch it. It's pretty good. What year What year did the first Predator come out? I don't know, man. 80. All right. So I'm, I'm going to look it up for you. But I'm going to guess 84. Let's see what I can That's, find out here. That sounds about right. It has to be. How recently? Because I know... 87. How, wow. How recently okay. did you watch it? Which one? 
The first, the first one. How recently? Oh, you have it. Oh, okay. I have not watched it since I was a child. Okay. I really just, I don't care. Like as soon as I, like, even as a kid, like I just feel it's so unimaginative for the guy to just be, you can't see him. Yeah. Fuck me. How the fuck? Like, what the fuck is the point? Like, (laughs) that's not badass to me. It's a, that's a cheat code. Um, did you yeah, ever see yeah. the uh, like the Alien versus Predator movie? Was there just never, one of those made? Never, just one? No. never would have. No, <laughs> no, never seen it. Never thought about seeing it. And then what is there like six of those movies? There's got to uh, be at least two. There's, there's several. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we're getting uh, to a point movie wise where like, cre- I don't want to say creativity has gone away, but like just making new stuff is just getting harder and harder to do. So now we're going back and making either remaking old movies or we're doing prequels or sequels to other movies or something like that. Like I I don't, I don't know. Like, didn't they just make like a scream 14? 14. I don't know. I just made that. I I made that, I made that number up, but still. Yeah, but at least it was with the original people. It wasn't like it was like a remake. Like it was still with the original True. cast. It's just a, another extension of the. I didn't see it, but. And it's actually, I really enjoy the first Scream movie. The second one, I didn't really dig. Yeah. I know I've seen the third one, but I don't even remember it. I have not seen the fourth one. Um, yeah, man, I, you know, this is how I feel. You know, they're remaking White Men Can't Jump, and it's just, it is just a kick to the dick. Did I know, me. did I know this? Yeah. Jack Harlow is playing the Woody Harrelson part. Hmm. I know we talked about it. I don't know. Like, I don't the remember that first we did. Either so, way, that's terrible. Here, here's the movie that if they remake it, I'm done. I'm officially done. You'll never get me to the theater again. You'll never... Like, I'm just going to be done with Hollywood. If they remake Back to the Future, I'm done. I mean, I haven't heard of anything like that. No, they better. No, you better not. Dude, you would have just crushed my soul. <laughs> no, yeah, you don't do that. It's, it's one of the ones you don't touch. It's like if you're a band, you don't cover Queen or you don't cover Led Zeppelin. You don't cover, you know, no, yeah. don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Like, <laughs> Did you see the so, movie? Did you see the movie Nobody? Isn't it called Nobody? I want to say that I did. Remind me what that is. Uh, with uh, why can't I think of his name right now? Better Call Saul. What's his no, name? No, I did not see that. What's his name? I um, white guy Jack. <laughs> He's got like a really white, basic guy name, right? Doesn't he? I don't remember. What it's is his a, name? Dude, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> anyway, go on. You saw it. Is it good? I did, but I mean, I, I seen it in theaters like months and months ago, but, um, you saw it in the theater. Yeah, dude. Names are, are like just <sighs> passing away from me right now. Um, it's, um, in back to the future. What, what's the, uh, What's Bob Doc's Odenkirk. real name? Bob Odenkirk. What's Doc's is there real a name? More white, is there a whiter name than that? <laughs> I told you it was a white. Go on. Go on what, what's Doc's real name in real life from Back to the Future? Christopher Lloyd. That's it. Okay. So he's in Nobody. And he's basically only in it for a few minutes and he's just got a shotgun and he's just blowing the crap out of people. 
It was, it was interesting. That's what it made me think of nobody because you were talking about back to the future. Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, isn't he a badass in that movie? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like making queen Latifah a badass in that TV show. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not going to watch that. Uh, last night I did watch, and it's not a new movie, but it's one that escaped me and, uh, 1517 to Paris. Have you ever seen that? No. So it was directed by Clint Eastwood. It is essentially based on a true story about three Americans who are on a train to Paris. And there's like a terrorist guy on the train who tries to just, he just starts blowing people away. And they basically attack the guy and subdue him. And in the process, one of the guy's fingers gets cut off. Another guy has to save another guy's life. And so, you know, kind of like, Again, it's based on a true story, but the three stars of the movie are the actual three guys that it happened to. Oh, that's cool. The acting's really bad, <laughs> but 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 I, I I I don't say that to be a jerk, but I find it endearing the fact that they use these regular Joes to tell their own story. Now, while the acting is bad and the dialogue's kind of shitty it made it kind of endearing to me to see these actual guys reliving their experience and telling the story, perhaps loosely based on how they would have told it. Right. Yeah. Let me tell you my biggest problem with this fucking movie. Okay. And I enjoyed it and I think you should see it. It's, it's good. Okay. The opening scene of the movie, it's the three guys grown up like in Europe, they're on this European trip. That's how this all happens. They're in a car cruising and so it's two white guys and a black guy. The black dude is narrating the scene. The black dude goes, I know what y'all are thinking. How'd this brother, uh, a pair of, I don't remember exactly how it goes, <laughs> but he's like, how'd this brother get in a car with two crackers like this? And I just like, dude, this is the opening scene. We're 15 seconds into the movie. I look at my wife. I go, that is the worst opening line to a movie <laughs> I have ever seen. She goes, that was so cringe. Are we going to turn this off? I go, no, I have to keep watching. But I do. I I dreamt about it last night, about how much I hated that line and how. But here's the thing: once you start watching the movie, it goes back to when they're kids and how they all become friends, right? Mm-hmm. And now they're all grown up, and now they're kind of separated a little bit because they're trying to achieve different things. But they come back together for this European trip. It's like, did we need that shitty opening line for us to figure out that they forged a bond when they were young kids? We didn't need it. Right. I was like, the writer of this movie, like the writer of the screenplay sucks. Like that is terrible, terrible, terrible storytelling. But the worst part is, is like I said, the black guy is the one narrating that specific scene. He's not even the main character of the movie, which makes it even less. Right. It, it makes sense even less. Right. Huh. It's, but again, go watch it. It's pretty cool. How recent, like, how recent was this movie put out? 2018 because it, the the attack that like they put it out like six months after the attack or something like they made it quick how's that even possible i don't know i i so i googled it you know hold on uh biographical drama film produced and directed by clint eastwood written by dorothy blyskull which is why old white lady out of touch knows that doesn't know that that opening line is terrible <laughs> um mm, 
Yeah, I, I found it last night as we were watching it, like how soon they made, they made it. Fair, six months might be a stretch, but they made it fairly soon after the attack. Okay. But, um, but yeah, 15, 17. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And for him to make a movie that soon after something like that happens and the three people who are involved in it are fine with doing it. Like that's pretty, that's pretty crazy, right? Like that soon after, I guess they didn't have any like lasting trauma. I mean, if someone comes calling and says, Hey, we want to make a movie about you. And Oh, by the way, Clint Eastwood is going to direct it. You probably go, okay. (laughs) Dirty Harry wants to direct it (laughs) out. That's probably okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, though. So what about, uh, I, I don't know, have you seen Nope yet? I haven't, but I'm curious if you have. What's it called? Nope, the Jordan Peele's new movie. Not going to watch it. Really? Not going to watch it. Have you seen anything that Jordan Peele has done? Get Out, and I fucking hated it. It's one of my least favorite movies of all time. Hmm. I'm not going to get into it, <laughs> because we'll get canceled. No, I'm not going to see that. Okay. If I'm at your house for another birthday party and it's on, I'll, I'll peek around the corner and check out a few scenes. But no, I have no desire. Did Are, you like the movie Get Out? It was okay. Are you, are, you, are you not a Jordan Peele fan or is no. just the movie in general? No, no, no. Not a fan. Okay. No. I think he's a... Uh, well, no, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. You, you've um, got to give me something here. Why, why? I just think he's a fucking poser. I think he's full of fucking shit. Okay. I think those movies are for fucking. I think. I think. I think they are directed to a specific audience with crossover appeal in mind, so that he can make a profit. I don't think that they are really about what he says they are about. I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe it. I just don't. I just don't. We're talking about the same guy who ripped off Chappelle's show, right? That's who we're talking about. Are you talking about Key and Peele? Yeah, Key and Peele is a direct ripoff of the Chappelle show. You think so? 100%. I would have to go back and watch to, go back. to go believe back. that. Um, Do you know who he's married to? Who? Chelsea Peretti. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why that's so weird to me. I mean, there's an awful lot of... No, see, you're gonna you're gonna get it out of me eventually. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. Yes, he's yes, he is. You're right. He is. Oh, fuck. Um, no, I don't like. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know anyone that likes the movie Get Out. Okay. Like anyone close to me. Like, I know some people like that I've worked with on several occasions or of uh, random occasions that 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 and I remember specifically. I was in another city when it came up. Oh yeah, I loved it. It told such a, it's, it's such an eye opening. Blah blah blah. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Eye opening to what? Box office dollars? Shut up. Get out of here. Um, what's the other guy's name? Keegan Key. Is his name Keegan? Keegan Michael Key. Yeah. That is an unfortunate name, but I like him. I don't like him on Key and Peele, but he's been in some funny shit. Yeah. Uh, can I tell you one of my favorite characters of his? And then we have to move on from movies. Not, not before we talk about the main movie that we've both watched. That I know we both watch documentary anyway, but have you seen the movie? Why him? Mm-mm. You haven't seen that? No. Ah, fuck. God damn it. So 
it's about it's got the dude from Breaking Bad, the dad from Breaking Bad plays the dad. And this movie, he's got a daughter, lives out in LA, starts dating a guy without telling him. Oh wait, who who got James Franco? Yes, I have seen that. I lied. Yeah, I have seen that. So Keegan Michael Key is his like personal assistant or whatever, the one that attacks him randomly, and they do like the. The scene, the scene where he's trying to teach the dude how to use the bidet and like he's got his like face right by his fucking dick. And it's like, dude, how many times do you think they had to stop filming that to just oh uh, laugh yeah, right. be like, all right, we're gonna try it again. But then you know someone like made a fart noise as he went down, like we gotta do it again. Jesus Christ, uh-huh. like yeah. right. Um and he also was in a show, Keegan Michael Key, that is, that was really good. And I don't think it got I think it ended after two seasons, but it was called um, oh, "Fuck Me." Friends from College, or something. I, like I that. dude, I was just gonna bring that up. Yeah, that was a pretty good show. I had Fred Savage, and uh, it was a good show. It was really good. It was really watchable. The chick from uh, "How I Met Your Mother," Colby, something or know. another. I don't know. But anyways, yeah, yeah, that was a good show, though. I enjoyed it, um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, all right, so. But hey, but before we move on to the next thing, one last show that I wonder, I'm curious if you've seen, I know it's slapsticky, but um, do you ever watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I've tried and I, you I don't, can't. You don't like it? I'm not an Andy Samberg fan. Okay. I've become- Actually, I'm not a fan of anyone in that show. Not even Terry Crews? Definitely not Terry Crews, no. Dude. Yeah. Sorry. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. That's become my show that I watch in the morning when I'm on the treadmill. That, I'm sure that really motivates you to to get it in. I don't need. Mo- I don't need no motivation. I need just my mind off of boredom from walking the on a treadmill. The fact that you're running. Yeah. Yeah, running sucks. Running does suck, especially on a treadmill. Why do you watch you're fights? Running, you're running at nothing. Huh? Why don't I watch fights you, or something? Yeah. Eh. That's what I do. Eh. All right, Rogan. It's really easy to take your mind off everything when you're watching people beat the fuck out of each other. I guess you got a point. I'm just saying. Try it next time. (laughs) All right. So did you see the Woodstock 99 documentary that just came out on Netflix? Yes, I did. It's called Trainwreck Woodstock 99 or whatever. Yes. All right. Before I go on a complete tangent, tell me what your thoughts are. Well, let me ask you this before you tell me. What did you know of Woodstock 99 before this? Had you heard of anything about it? I know I've mentioned it a few times on our show, but I haven't really seen anything about it. I've just heard. You've never YouTube the live performance from that festival. I mean, I've done that, but I've never I haven't like in depth as far as what all actually happened. The main things that I heard was the bad things about like everybody saying that. Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit and Red Hot Chili Peppers were the culprits in all this, and they and Stop. they're the reason Stop. why this all happened. Hold on, who did you hear from before this documentary that Red Hot Chili Peppers were the culprits or were the problem? Uh, I the I, I don't I could or... I couldn't give you a source. I just know that that really? yeah I I mean because I don't remember that I always remember it being Corn and Limp Biscuit. Okay, which I disagree with on both of those counts. I disagree. Here's the thing about based based off of this documentary. Now, this is another situation where a documentary can make things look 
how they want them to look. Totally. Okay, so you knew something about it. Go yeah. on. What 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 else did you feel? What else did what did it bring out of you? What do you mean? Like, what were your feelings? Like, you know, based on what you were seeing about how the festival was run, the way the bands reacted to it. I mean, they had some of the artists come back, like Jonathan Davis and Gavin Rossdale, and you know, I think. I think it's it was for me anyway, because I lived through it. I wasn't there, but a little secret about me: I ordered, I ordered it on pay per view. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> um, I really wanted to see it, man. Because look, yeah. 1999, I had not experienced live shows that much to that extent. Certainly not a. Fe- I had never been to a festival in 1999. Um, yeah, it was just like a huge deal, and I remember when Woodstock '94 happened. Thinking like, God, that would be so cool to be there. That would be so cool to like, you know, shows of that level were beyond my wildest imagination at that point in my life, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, hearing from those artists now, however, you know, was what, 22 years later, whatever we are. Um, it was very interesting to me because, you know, I remember specifically saying on the show, you know, all of the focus for for so many years after it happened was on Limp Bizkit and on Fred Durst and on all of the carnage because it was carnage. I mean, it's safe to say it was it was a terrible, terrible thing that happened. But I said the one thing that a lot of people overlook and overlooked, overlooked, overlooked still were some of the performances that were just overshadowed by all of the bullshit like Bush, like yeah. The Offspring. Like fucking DMX, Rusted Roots, um, what's one of the other ones? Collective Soul, Live. Like all of these bands played this festival, but no one fucking knows it because no one talked about it. Right, right. right. Um, so like, that's one of the things that I said way back when on this show. But it was really cool to hear from, especially Gavin Rossdale, because, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but Bush saved the night yeah for sure when corn played yeah you know yep and when i say save the night like they kind of brought the ca- the crowd down to a reasonable level of like festival expectation but do you so, but that was that necessarily on bush that they did that or was that no, on just, just, just the that fact they, that that's where they were put it at the in, put in the lineup it yeah coincidence i mean it just yeah. happened right but i think like Look, Gavin said in the interview on the documentary, he was like, yeah, we, you know, we felt like we, we, we were in a position to really like kind of reel this back in again, I'm paraphrasing, but I think they would have done that regardless of where you put them in the lineup, because that's just the kind of band they were. They weren't an aggressive, necessarily an aggressive type band. He was at the time, like a fucking heartthrob, like you weren't going to get carnage and destruction from bush right so it was the healthy it was the healthiest thing you could have done to end that wild first night when corn like and i'll be honest with you everything that jonathan davis said in that documentary about like there's no greater drug than going on a stage and seeing people react the way that they reacted like you have control over them everything he said is true and Take it from someone whose biggest crowd is nowhere near the size of that crowd. <laughs> but when you can get half 
of a crowd of a of a you know significant size to join along it's fucking insane so like hearing jonathan davis's take on it and that was the cool part for me let me stop so what else did you take from it or what else did you get from it what did you learn from it if anything that you didn't know before so this is another thing as far as like a documentary can show a thing like show thing make you see things in a certain way because that's how the documentary wants you to see things it just didn't feel like there was much i mean i know there was a lot more behind the scenes stuff that they're not showing but it didn't seem like there was a whole lot done to make all this happen you like the people who were putting this whole thing together it just seemed like they put cert- they put people in places to i don't know how to explain it like to there was money. well yeah i mean it was all about it was all about profit but not much was done at the festival as far as like when they talk about when you get to day 2 and day 3 where um you know none of the porta potties have been cleaned people are freaking swimming in crap water and all this stuff. They can't get water at con- even at concession stands and stuff like that. And like they relied on subcontracted people right. that were coming in to do the vending and all that kind of stuff. And they didn't do it. And they didn't do it and they didn't do anything about it. They just they just relied on that to happen and it didn't happen. You know? Right. And and on top of the fact of just not not cleaning up the place. You're at a three day festival and after the first day everything is just left all over the ground. And, you know, nobody did anything about it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's bizarre. I mean, they turned a blind eye to it, but again, they, they subcontracted everything so they could cut corners, yeah, cut the budget down to where they could make a large profit. Right. And at the time, I guess everyone was wrapped up in the idea, like we're going to have another Woodstock that they didn't seem to think about that. Right. But they also stated like, we didn't make money on Woodstock 94. So we have to do things differently this time out to make money. Right. You know what the other weird thing was is that that mayor. Like how much money was slid into his pocket? Oh. Because well, he, he was just like, it didn't matter what happened. He was just in agreement with everything. Just like everything's fine. Everything's great. But even if he's not, what happens? He, can, he doesn't have the power to shut down the festival. He's I, already approved it. I mean, I feel like he could if he wanted to, if if he wanted no. to get, you don't think so? No, they signed a contract, dude. Like I, I seriously doubt with the snap of fingers, he could have done anything, but I'm glad he brought him up. The biggest piece of shit in that documentary and the biggest piece of shit of Woodstock 99 is that dude, John Schur, the promoter. Yeah. What a fucking piece of garbage that guy is. Yep. For him to... 22 years later, have no empathy, no sympathy, no just real understanding of what actually happened to be to to still make excuses and be completely oblivious. And the the part where I was like, all right, I'm done with this fucking guy is when they talked about, you know, the the idea that it was like this free flowing, like girls, girls gone wild. Girls had their tops off and girls were getting groped. And he goes, well, he basically says. Well, if they took their tops off, they were asking for it type thing. Well, and then there and was, was like, another guy, and I can't remember what his name was, but the other guy that was talking about when he uh, 
when when they had commandeered a vehicle and they brought that into the crowd and then when that guy got into that vehicle he seen the girl who her top was off yeah. and her pants were down and there was a guy pulling his pants back up basically saying that this girl just got raped right and uh then not too long after that, this sure guy you're talking about, he didn't specifically say that instance, but he basically said, I I understand, I heard, I heard later on that that kind of stuff happened, but when there's that many people at a festival, there's not much you can really do about it. Yeah, there is. Dude, really? Yeah, there is. Like, that guy's a piece of shit. Absolutely. What a piece of fucking shit. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to, in the moment, be like, I don't, I don't understand what you guys are talking about. It feels like it's, it's going well. Yeah. But he knows what people have been saying for 20 plus years. So like 20 plus years later, you're still acting like this. Like what a fucking pile of fucking shit. Right. And that Michael Lang dude who died, you know, a couple months after they filmed the documentary and he was the originator, the original creator of Woodstock. Like he played the same sort of like non-empathetic, non-sympathetic fucking douchebag who was like, well, it was a success for you maybe. Right. But no one else like, and the only people who are living through this at the time are the people that are there who paid money to be there overpaid to be there and weren't treated well. Oh, that's the other thing. The sure guy said, which fucking pissed me off. He, he, so they were talking about how like everything was so expensive and nothing was cleaned up and the trash wasn't picked up. And he goes, like, what did they think? They were going to stay at a Ritz-Carlton or something? I'm like, no, douchebag. They thought they were going to be taken care of right. enough to have water and not walk through trash. And, you know, what a fucking piece uh, of shit. I have another question, too. So at one point, like, one of the audience members had stated that they didn't let him bring anything in. So like when it came right. to like the water and stuff like that, where did all these tents and stuff come from? Were people renting tents to stay in? No, you can bring your tent. You can bring a tent, but you can't bring anything else? To my knowledge, no. Huh. Okay. I don't know. I sure do hope they let you bring your own tent and not rent a tent. Right. That's fucking atrocious. Yeah. You know what? You know what the grossest thing about the entire documentary was to me like literally the grossest thing was that girl the girl who said she got trench mouth that is the i almost vomited in my mouth whenever she said that she's talking about like having sores in all over her mouth and her tongue and everything else because people were basically drinking shit water yeah Ugh, it's nuts but but then again i understand but then again I understand you bought a ticket to go to this festival, but everybody had a choice. They could have left whenever they wanted. So that's a big yeah, part. But, that's but, a big part of this. So I'm not saying they were treated right, but they could have left whenever they wanted to. Yeah, it's a voluntary act. It just became this. Mo- it just became this mob mentality to just fuck everything up at a certain point because everybody was getting mad. And I did kind of like the fact that they had these people who worked for MTV who were on there explaining their side of the story too. Like talking about how they were getting batteries thrown at them and stuff like that while they're, while they're trying to film and yeah. Yeah. I remember watching that live. Uh, two TVs gone. I had MTV on and then I had the pay-per-view on 
just to watch the performances. And then the MTV would be the in-between stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I think people were mad and they started fucking shit up. But I, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they, pretty, they pretty much made that clear in that documentary. And I think the, so what I was going to say was the people who knew what was going on were the people who paid to be there and then the production crew and the security. So I'm glad we got to hear from those folks. The one interesting guy out of all the people they talked to was that production guy who basically was like, no, that's a terrible idea. No, that's a terrible idea. No, that's a terrible idea. And the promoters being like, shut the fuck up. This is what we're paying you for. Oh, yeah. I told him to get no. off of this channel. Yeah. Um, very interesting. But I almost felt like he was kind of putting it on for the documentary. Yeah. A little, a so, little, a little bit. Yeah. While I want to believe his heart was truly in the right place. I don't know. But let me tell you who Loki, the biggest pieces of shit that I didn't know about. And you brought him up earlier. The biggest pieces of shit during this whole festival. Loki, because I didn't know about it until I saw this documentary. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. I didn't know about this. I didn't know about the song that, that they the song that they played when they came back out. Yeah. I didn't know that the mayor came up to Anthony Keyes and was like, hey, can you, there's a big fire out there. Can you maybe say something? No, they're not going to listen to me. But they made the conscious choice to go back out there and play that song. Right. Why don't you just play Soul to Squeeze, you cunt? Right. Why are you playing a song about fire <laughs> and getting people more riled up and starting more fires? Right. What is that about? I understand being a rock star, you're in the moment, this is fucking great. Like, dude, I've been there. I have been there. You know, mm -hmm. I really have. I have said some gross shit on stage because I was so in the moment. You know, mm -hmm. I've told a security guard to fuck off. I've flung my mic at a security guy. I've fucking flung my mic at people in the crowd. I've done it. I've been caught up in the moment. But like if I'm looking into a sea of fires and, and there's no way that they're playing on Sunday, they're the headliner, that they have not heard about anything. Right. I find that so hard to believe. Well, that's my thing. It's like the my, same thing with the promoters being like, we haven't heard anything. Like the band's new. Right. Like and you have to by Sunday, we'll go, okay. Exactly. Wait a minute. Exactly. That, that was my thing too, is by Sunday, you know, now I know the fires and stuff like that didn't start until the very end of the night, which was the most idiotic move Such that anybody could do. Like, you know what the last two days have looked like. And now you want to give people fire? What, why that makes, that makes no sense whatsoever. But yeah, by the third day, the bands have to know what's going on as well. You would think wasn't jewel. Cause they inter they interviewed jewel. Wasn't she the third day? Yeah. And she, but I think from what, from the way the documentary put it, I think she's the only one that actually bailed. Like they bailed, bailed halfway through the set, but she said she was so surprised when she got, she got out there and I'm like, well, hasn't anyone told you what's been going on? Right. Like you didn't hear like, I don't know. Like it, it's very weird. It's very weird. Yeah, but low key, fuck the chili peppers. That was fucking. <laughs> I. You know what? I don't know if I got the pay per view on Sunday, and I actually don't think I did. I'm trying to think if there was anyone on Sunday that I remember. But yeah, why would why would I don't know? But that John Sure guy, I tweeted about it as soon as that. I got done with episode two. I was like, whoa, if anyone's watching this and if anyone's wondering, if you've ever wondered, like just picture the shittiest fucking piece of human garbage 
promoter you've seen in a like a movie about music fictional this guy is that guy but 10 times worse and oh by the way he's a real person <laughs> what a piece of shit yeah for sure just money hungry money grubbing fucking scumbag oh now they they stopped limp biscuits set early right because didn't they tell them they they were gonna have to get off stage like they couldn't keep they couldn't keep on going and then when they got to, when fred durst got to the back they asked him uh you know what he thought of and he goes none of this is my fault and in a, and I kind of agree with him because that I was a Limp Biscuit show. But I agree with him. you know, I don't know. I, I guess he could have had you know he could have tried to help a little bit because he knew how. Should you have gone out and crowd surfed on plywood? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> right. But look, if he's playing a uh, an arena show that's a Limp Biscuit show, and he sees that, he's probably going to go do it. He's not going to stop and go, guys, what are you doing? Right. So, you know? so I don't know if you had planned on doing this or not, but can you make the comparison here to Astroworld? Oh, fuck me. I, why did I know you were going to? Okay. How, how would you like me to do this? Because I was thinking about Astroworld as I'm watching this. And I think this is why I brought up Woodstock 99. I think it was when we were talking about Astroworld. What, what, well, let me ask you this. If you had to make a comparison, because I want to gather my thoughts, what would you do? What would you say? The, the comparison I'm making is you have people on stage performing that know what's happening in the crowd and they're not doing anything to calm the crowd down to potentially... Stop. Right there. Okay. Who are you referring to? Well, it's Travis Scott. That was the main thing, right? Or are you talking about in the Woodstock. Woods, in Woodstock? Yeah. Who are you referring to? Uh, I mean, let's say Fred Durst. That's fine. So he knew that girls were getting raped. He knew that. Well, I mean, probably didn't know it was that that dark. He didn't. Yeah. So he sees some people crowd surfing on plywood. Do you think he's stopping in the moment to think like, where did that plywood come from? Did they tear something down or were there? he's not making that judgment or that snap assessment while he's on stage. Right. Am I saying it's right? No, but okay, go on. So you're saying Fred Durst specifically or anybody else? Any, anybody else, anybody who actually, who played knowing how things were actually going out in the crowd and knowing that there's potential for people to be getting hurt and all that kind of stuff too. But, and just, like, do you think Fred thought that anyone was getting hurt at that show? Because from our vantage point, because there were many shots from the stage out into the crowd, from his vantage point, it looks like everyone's having a pretty goddamn good time, right? Yeah. But I mean, but as you said, like by I know this was on the second day, but on the by the third day, you know what's happening out there and you know what the conditions are like and how people are acting and stuff like that. Are you telling me that by the time that Fred Durst got on, which was in that the evening of Saturday, that he wasn't told anything? Like he wasn't told that, hey, this crowd is a little too rowdy. We may want to calm it down a little bit. But if you're if you're a new metal band or a hard rock band in 1999 and someone tells you a crowd's too rowdy, what is your response going to be? Make them rowdier. Give them a good time. Yeah. Give them a good time. Yeah. There's no 
there's no toning down a Limp Bizkit performance. There's no toning down a Rage Against the Machine performance. There's no toning down a corn performance, you know? So I wonder why so, uh, the, the documentary, you you know, you were naming off all these bands that that played also that they didn't even talk about in the documentary. There are so many that you just, people so, don't know. So I wonder why. Why do you, do they just pick certain bands because that's where the majority of the chaos was happening was during these bands or why, why no. did they not even, not even talk about a lot of the other bands? Well, I think what they did is they talked about the biggest bands of the time who all things considered made the biggest waves at the festival, kid rock, Limp Bizkit, corn Bush. Okay. Rage against the machine, the chili peppers, Metallica, you know, all of these bands played and all those bands were huge at the time. Which there wasn't really no. anything about Metallica either. No, they in had the documentary in there. Yeah. But they they played on I want to say after Limp Biscuit. Okay. That's what I want to say. Line up. Let's see what we got here. Uh July 20 Saturday. So Saturday, July 25th. It went on the East Stage. Will it, this is actually kind of fun to do. So, oh no, that's Sunday. Sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> July 24th, Saturday, the East Stage, the Tragically Hip, Counting Crows, Alanis Morissette, Metallica. Metallica. Oh, Metallica was a headliner. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, well, all right. Here's the, I'm sorry. I'm reading this wrong. The Tragically Hip, Kid Rock. So Kid Rock played second. Can you imagine that on Saturday? Crazy. Tragically Hip, Kid Rock, Wyclef Sean. County Crows, Dave Matthews Band, Alanis Morissette, Limp Bizkit, Rage Against the Machine, Metallica was Saturday on the East stage, which was the big stage, essentially. Mm-hmm. Dude, the West stage, Everclear into Ice Cube. Wow. I would, um, I would like to see the money that it costs just to have all those bands that they had. Oh, well, I mean, and and that's the thing, too, about that John Sher guy. It's like, I didn't know. I didn't realize that Fred Durst was such a jerk. Bitch, you booked him. Fuck you. <laughs> Don't fucking play that shit now, 20 years later. It's such it's 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 such bullshit, dude. Yeah. Like I it, that bothers me. Um, Friday, the East stage, which was the main stage. James Brown, G Love and Special Sauce, Jamiroquai, Live, Cheryl Crow, DMX, The Offspring, Corn, Bush. That was another thing I didn't understand. The whole James Brown thing. Do you, did you see that part where they were talking about how he didn't want yeah, to go on stage? I don't know why stage? that was relevant to anything. It was, they, it was just to make that John Sher guy look like a fucking badass. Like what? But it didn't even like, make you're, that. You're a master it, it, promoter? Like, yeah, it, did, it, it didn't make that happen because James Brown was getting ready to go on, but he wanted to be paid before he went on. They were telling him, no, that wasn't going to happen. And then... Like all that happened was sure said, give me just a minute. And then the next yeah, thing like you know, James Brown's on stage. Like what, what, what the hell just happened? What a fucking piece of shit that guy is. It makes no sense. Like I seriously, like I've encountered guys like that for so many years and it just, they are, man, they are the worst. There is a guy. Oh, fuck. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Let me go back to this lineup here. So the other stage on Friday. I know Willie Nelson opened, didn't he? No, I already said that. Oh, you did? 
Yeah, that was on uh, that was on Sunday. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Oh yeah, so Sunday the the main stage was Willie Nelson, the Brian Setzer Orchestra, Everlast, Elvis Costello for some reason, Jewel, Creed, and the Chili Peppers. And then the the West stage was dude. The West stage was badass, dude. Mike Ness, Our Lady Peace, Rusted Root, Seven Dust, Collective Soul, Godsmack, and Megadeth. Dude, come on. And then the the other stage on Friday was lit into Buckcherry, into the Roots, into Insane Clown Posse, into George Clinton. Dude, that's a festival. Hang on a second. Buck Cherry was a band in 99. Oh yeah, dude. They've been around forever. When did their first when did Crazy Bitch come out? I don't know. Muse was on the emerging artist stage at Woodstock 99 on Sunday. Emerging artist. Would that be like the pop stage at Yeah. <laughs> Point yeah, Fest? They had that. So here's some of the bands on the emerging artist stage. We'll start. So the emerging artist stage on Thursday, which is considered the pre-show, um, not even going to name them because I've never heard of them. Friday, well, let's see who we got here. Moby. <laughs> it's the only one that I, Ben Lee. Ben Lee sounds familiar. Who's Ben Lee? Oh yeah, Ben Lee's the dude, that Australian dude uh, that fucking hit. He had like he's got like a one hit wonder. Uh, Moby and Ben Lee. Um, Saturday. Two skinny Jays and Fat Boy Slim. Sunday. So Fat Fat Boy Slim did because he that would he was actually a good part of the documentary. So that was I guess that's the rave tent. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. But Sunday, Muse was on it. Hmm. And so was Reveille. Whoa. Anyway. But fact, I, that, dude, I, like, I, I didn't know this, and I don't know why it surprised me, but the fact that Fatboy Slim, that his name is Norman, <laughs> that's just like matches Fatboy Slim. I don't know why. <laughs> it, it just, like, of course his name would be Norman. He's a British dude named Norman. Of uh-huh. course you are. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, yeah, that's that, that. I enjoyed the documentary. I enjoy shit like that, though. I love music documentaries. Is this the only one about Woodstock '99? It's not, right? There's several out there. I mean, I know there's a YouTube one that was made that's really good. I think you should go check out. I don't know that there's been one of this caliber. You know, that's been released on such like a major streaming platform or released by a major network or anything like that. So I'll tell you this, <laughs> that John sure guy, I, I, he just, man. So I once had to deal with a guy who managed, probably still manages a band that I've talked about on the show. Not going to say who, cause it's going to be a dead giveaway, but he, at the time, you remember the band Foxy Shazam? I do. Yeah. So, at the time, they were he was trying to be affiliated with them somehow, whether he was trying to manage them or was trying to take credit for something about them being on the radio. I don't remember what it was. Um, they were playing off Broadway, and there was supposed to be some like 
Point Fest pre-show the day before Point Fest that they were they were trying to get them on it. Now, at the time, my band was being told that we we're also trying to be booked for that. Now, I've encountered I've had run-ins with this guy before. And I see him at the Foxy Shazam show, okay, at Off Broadway, which is on like I want to say it's like two weeks before it was close to Point Fest, whenever it was. Okay. I want to say, if I'm remember, uh, uh, this is all a blur that I'm trying to kind of bring back together. But <laughs> so I see him and he's talking to people that I know that I'm there also kind of like socializing with. And uh, Foxy Shazam had just, they just got done. And I just kind of weren't, I'm in a conversation with people and kind of just like, he was like looking at me and I just go, man, fuck, that was, that was cool. Right. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get him on that point fest pre-show. I'm like, Oh really? I think I'm going to be playing that. He goes, no. And he just walks away. <laughs> Swear to God, <laughs> dude. And now you got to think this is however many years ago. I wanted to murder this guy. I was like, how could you be so rude to another human being? Right. Forget business. Put all the bullshit, like industry bullshit aside. Like, how could you just be like, you're staring at me, waiting for me to acknowledge the fact that you're staring <laughs> at me, to acknowledge that we just experienced something together. I acknowledge you. I try to bring you in and you're a total fucking piece of shit. Like, oh. I wonder if he what an asshole. did you end up on it? No. I wonder if he knew something that you didn't know. Probably. <laughs> but still. <laughs> fuck, fuck him. Why does that matter to me? No, all he was just trying to tell you, no, that's not happening. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It didn't. I know. But they weren't on it either. Okay. I gotcha. So it would have been really cool. It was back when they did the the pre-show at the casino, the fucking they had like a piano bar there that turned into just a, I don't know if they had dueling pianos at this point, but big bar and the bands would play on the balcony. Well, that's cool. So everyone down below dancing would be looking up at the band. I don't know. It just would have been fun to do, but no, we didn't end up doing it. I, I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering correctly, Foxy Shazam did not either, but fuck that guy. There's so many of those guys. Dude. Oh, I'm sure. So many. So many. And I mean, I mean, is, just, is it like, I guess it's just a major ego, but it's also like I'm putting in the work and my band is better than yours kind of thing. He's just a fucking sniveling little weasel. Like if you saw this guy and I went, hey, dude, that's the manager of such and such. You'd be like, what? He looks like he should be fucking shoveling gravel. Yeah. <laughs> is he still yeah, managing no, bands in St. Louis now? Well, I never said this was a St. Louis band. Slow down. Stop trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> and, I, and I never said that. I never said that. I, I, he might be. He probably is. He probably is. Yeah. Yeah. Probably is. But, you know, fuck it. I just, yeah, oh God, he bothered me. Still bothers me. What can you do? Yeah, the Chili Peppers play a different song. What are you doing? What are you doing? Do you, do you think it was just coincidence that they had that song in their back pocket like to play in all the time i know that they i know that that was a cover that they did okay 
Uh, but you you heard Anthony Kiedis go like, Chad, you want to do it? Let's do it. Ding, ding, ding. Let me stand until you fire. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. What are you thinking, bro? Like, that was a very, like, that was a calculated, like, we're going to go up there and we're going to show them. Like, don't tell me I need to control the crowd. You control the crowd. I don't know. It just felt very... I don't know, man. Like so much about that festival and the people involved, and well, what? to be honest with you, the people that talked during that documentary it was so vindictive and like it was just like, ugh. Why? Ooh, why did they choose the people? Not the people that were involved in the in the uh, backstage stuff, but the people that they chose to talk, like just the people that were there. Why did they choose those people? What do you, you know mean? what I'm talking like the two guys there were two guys that were friends that went to the show together. Oh, and then yeah, I don't know. and then the girl that I said got trench mouth. And then the other girl that had braces or whatever when she was really young. Like why why did they pick those four people to be the people that represent people who were there at the show? I, I don't no I don't idea. understand. Four of the dumbest people <laughs> who ever walked the face of the earth. Let's be honest. Dude. That was embarrassing. Well, at least the one girl with braces, she was like, would you do it all over again? She's like, yep, I yeah. would totally do it again. So good for her. At least she's like standing by, you know, the conviction she had at the time. Like, well, she didn't leave. She's like, fuck it, I'm staying. I'm partying. She was like 15 when she went. Right. That, that, also, was, that was another. She talked about drinking beer. Did you catch that? I don't know. Yeah, she talks in the documentary about like, yeah, they got us beers and we were drinking. I'm like, who? Like, that's not cool. But I don't know. Have you ever seen Heavy Metal Parking Lot? No. All right, you have homework. Okay. So before our next show, you need to watch the documentary called Heavy Metal Parking Lot. It's only like 38 minutes long. Okay. It's not going to take up much of your time. Do you want me to tell you what it's about or do you want to be surprised? I want to be, su- be surprised. I want to be surprised and then I'll come back yep. on the next yeah, episode to talk about it. Yeah, dude. <laughs> but it's uh, one of the best things you'll ever see. Another another thing to mention it's interesting to think about is all they did a lot of close-ups on a lot of women in what in this documentary. And we're talking about a lot of women who are probably in their late teens early twenties during this. Now they're in their forties, probably early fifties with kids. Probably. I'm wondering if there's anybody who is seeing their moms or anything like that in this right now. Cause it's, it's so a, like pre- it's, footage- it, it's one of the, the top uh, documentaries on Netflix right now. Like it's being promoted hard. Yeah, that's that's actually interesting to think about because that footage would have come from the live concert footage. Yeah. And there's no way that they made 500,000 people sign a release. Exactly, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, dude. That's crazy to think about. I don't I don't know. If it were me and it actually goes back to this heavy metal parking lot that I'm telling you to watch. So you have to watch the documentary and then watch the outtakes. Okay. It's very important that you watch the bonus footage. Okay? okay. Um yeah, I'm sure I'll pop up on a documentary somewhere eventually. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, dude, should you be ashamed that you were topless when you were 19 at a music festival? No. Is it a little bit embarrassing? Sure. 
but I don't what, what, I mean, fuck. If you can't spend that, like if you're such a insecure, just sort of like person in their forties with all of these regrets and doubts that you can't spend that in a way. It's like, hey, I was young, I was living it up. It was the best time of my life. Like, Okay, Maybe but put put your put your place. put yourself in those shoes. Like there were a lot of naked dudes walking around too. So if you were one of those dudes and you just popped up on this documentary, would you be worried about it right now? I'd have a lot of explaining to do to my <laughs> my coworkers and family, but I, you know, this guys, you know, mushrooms. What can I say? <laughs> Ecstasy. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I mean, I get it, but at the same time. Man, you know, fuck. I mean, a lot of those people are probably fucking doctors now, for fuck's sake. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, and- I guess it's no different than like uh, the Girls Gone Wild stuff and all that. Except for if you're watching Girls Gone Wild, you're purposely looking at it for the reason of trying to see boobs. Versus now, you're well. Didn't that guy get sued because he didn't get permission to get any of those people on film? Yeah, I would have to look into it, but I know what you're talking about. There was a a big. That was a major issue. Joe Francis is the guy's name? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 fuck. That reminds me. Did you watch the documentary, The Most Hated Man on the Internet? No, I've seen it, but I haven't watched it yet. You've seen it, but you ha- I've, you've seen I've, what I've, it is. I've, yeah, I've seen the... Should we let you let that be your homework and save that for the next show? <laughs> is it that Probably good? Probably should. Is it that good? It, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Okay. You need to watch it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the last thing I'll say before we go, I did watch another movie. Like I said, I went on a fucking a bender. Um, Sounds movie. like it. I'm not okay. Have you seen anything about that? No. So it's about a girl who is trying to be an influencer and writer, and she lies about being in Paris during a terrorist attack. Okay. Have you seen anything about this? No. Maybe watch it. It's. I was so uncomfortable for so many moments of that movie. Like it's so incredibly cringe, but it just goes to show where we are right now with like influencers and social media and like people just being like, what did I I said? So like I stole this from someone. Well, I'll give the credit to my friend's wife, but she said, you know, Instagram is where celebrities go to be normal people. Right. Yeah. TikTok is where normal people go to be celebrities. Right. Like this movie embodies that entire idea of like growing followers and getting clicks and fucking being surrounded by the people who have the most followers and like, oh, it's so gross. But the way that it ends is really important. So maybe watch that too. Maybe not before the next show, but um, there's so many moments I'm like, oh, like, ugh. That makes me think. Like, you just want to go, oh, I got to like. Do, do you remember that whole thing with uh, Steve Ranazizi? Is that how you say his last name? Oh, I the remember stand-up it. comedian? I remember it well. Yeah. Wasn't, he, he said he was in one of the towers, right? He lied on the Mark Marin podcast. This is when he first said it. Yeah. Said it in 2009 when he was on the Mark Marin podcast. And this was when his career was really starting to take off. He was on the league. The, the was league yep, popular right. and, yeah. 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 Which I love the league. I hate fantasy football, but I love that show. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it was just like he fucking like you have to be really sick in the head to like tell the story the way that he did. But he made up specifics about the company that he worked for and the job that he had. And but yeah, he said he was in one of the towers. The first plane hit. He got out of there. And then when he was on the ground, the second plane hit and he tried to like call up to the offices where he supposedly worked and no one would answer the phone. Like, yeah, dude, no shit. No one answered the phone. A plane just flew right. into the building. Yeah. And the whole time, Mark Marin's not calling him on it because how can you really do that? You can't really be the one to go, you're full of shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It'd be like you being like, yeah, my dad served in Desert Storm. And I'm like, really? What fucking platoon? What battalion? Like, what? what like, no, you don't ask questions. You just go, oh, shit, really? Like, and obviously in this situation, Mark Barron's like, holy shit, what the fuck? You know? Mm-hmm. And then, like, voluntarily, ran as easy, like, several years later, just but like, someone brought it up again. He's like, yeah, I don't know why I ever said that. That didn't really happen. Jesus Christ, bro. Like, why would you lie? Like, that's an elaborate lie. And what in did that help your career at all? Like to tell that story? Do I don't you think, think it, it did? did. I don't think it really helped at all. Like, that's the bizarre thing about it. Yeah. Like he went on Howard Stern after it came out that he lied. Uh-huh. I think the question came up: like, do you really feel like you can attribute that story and that lie to any of the success you've had at all? And he's like, honestly, like. He's like, in my own head, I want to believe that, but people would probably say no. You know, like, I didn't get, like, maybe it did, but, like, not that many people heard it. Like, the Mark Maron podcast is right. big, and, you know, he was one of the originators back in 2009. Right. Not many people were podcasting back in 2009. Right. Not on the level of, like, a Mark Maron. But not that many people heard the story, so, like, what could it really have done? And as much and as easy it is as it is to do research on people now, like if he were to go on a show now and tell that same story, he would probably be outed before he was even off the podcast. Well, the interesting thing to think about is he chose a really good show or a really good medium to do it on, such as a podcast. I feel like if he had gone on like like what if he was on like Conan, for right. instance, yeah, and told that story. You know, the people at Conan would have been like, wait, 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 because, you know, they pre-screen people when they have them on. They ask them questions like, tell us some of your craziest stories. You know, people would have been in Conan's ear like, "Uh, he didn't tell us that. Please ask questions, please. Like, you know, like or if he had gone on a radio show, like an actual terrestrial radio show where you have. You know, the FCC to worry, like the FCC to worry about and like all these people who like answer to people and like. You got sponsors and all this shit. Like you tell a story like that, people are going to ask questions. They're going to be like, what? Right. You escaped one of the towers on 9-11? Like, um, so very, very bizarre. And you know what? You know what's strange? Like, I say I like the league, but I've watched that guy on a couple of other things. Like interview wise and just kind of like hanging out, like podcast wise. He actually seems like a, like a decent dude, like just like a, a cool dude, like you'd want to have a beer with. Yeah. I mean, I can understand. I can understand in the moment, like on the Mark Marin show or whatever, I can understand in the moment saying something and immediately realizing that's not going to help me. I don't know why I did that, but right. to have, 
all the the information to back it up shows that he had a plan to do this. He had a plan to talk about this for some reason, whether he thought it was funny in somehow, 2009 though, like that many years later. I don't know, man. Like it, it just seems like, seems weird. like maybe he felt like I thought about this many times since it happened. Like, I didn't hear the podcast, but since the news came out, then I saw the reactions to it. And it's I've thought about it many times. It's like, all right, so Mark Maron's being like, well, how did you get your start? What were you doing before stand-up comedy really started for you? And he's got to make up this story about how he worked for a financial firm. And, you know, he's working in New York. And then it turns into, oh, yeah, my career got started right around 2001. So now I got to be like, I don't know. It just felt like he was like connecting the the dots as he was talking and kept fucking up. Okay. And instead of erasing the fuck up, he just kept going. Like I don't know. I'm making excuses for the guy, but I just very, I just I just hope that it's not like a I can get sympathy fans out of this kind of situation because if that's the case and you played it off of a terrible situation like that, that kind of makes you a piece of crap. I mean, if he did it for that, then that's gross. Yeah. For sure. For sure. That's that's disgusting. But, man, have you ever known someone to do that? Like, use a tragedy or someone else's misfortune to kind of, like, get attention on them? I don't know if I know anybody personally. No. Off the top of my head, at least. Do you? Yeah, I know a few people. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't do anything about it. I didn't call him on it. I didn't say anything about it. Other people did. Other people did. And I think for a moment there, too, like with one specifically I can think of, um, I remember thinking, like, am I a bad person for not calling this sooner than someone else did? Because I knew, like, right away, I was like, you weren't there you know like it's like one of those things like mm-hmm. but again do you like the person's explaining a tragedy are you the asshole to be like that's not true you weren't there like that makes you an asshole too right i just remember thinking that way i'm like oh fuck i'm just gonna let it go just pretended i didn't hear it that type of thing like it's almost better to stay out of it to where your name can't get drugged through the mud with it too because all you're gonna do is piss them off yeah yeah kind of yeah it was very it's really weird that I know that's, I know two, uh, two people that have done that too. I want to stay. Yeah. Two. Um, and one of them had to do with someone's suicide, which made it so much worse. Jesus. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they basically lied about having, having communicated with the person like right before they took their own life, which was a total fucking lie. And I think most people knew that, but again, you don't, you don't want to be the person to be like, you didn't, you didn't, you, you like, you want to mourn the person's death and you don't want to be like, you didn't talk to that person. Like, what are you talking about? So can you know? I, can I ask, like you say communicated, like they were basically acting like they were the last person that that person talked to before they did it. Uh, no, they didn't claim that. Cause that would have been really gross. Yeah. They just claimed to have spoken to them. Okay. Which 
didn't happen. Okay. Didn't happen. Um, which is gross also. I mean, it's all gross, but, but you can't be the person to be like, that didn't happen. Like in the moment, like you learn that someone has taken their own life. You don't call anyone a liar. You don't say anything right. negative. It's like a very much like, Oh shit. How do we, all right, this is crazy. That type of thing, you know? Right. Um, yeah, man. But you also sit there and think, what is this doing for you? Like you, you saying this story. How, yeah. How is this? I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah. It, it doesn't, I don't understand it. I just don't, I don't well, understand how people's brain works sometimes. Well, some people are sociopaths. Well, there's that. This person is, trust me. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that has happened to this person and a lot of stuff they've done since then will, will, you know, vindicate that. But I mean, you know, I mean, people look for attention in all kinds of ways, man. It's very fucking nuts, like, to think about. You know, um, makes you think on why they need it. Like, is this something deep rooted from like your childhood where you didn't get much attention and now you need like dramatic situations that you can place yourself in to make yourself feel better somehow? I mean, I mean yeah. th- there's that I mean, kind of stuff, you know? Of yeah. That's definitely part of it. I, you know, I think, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think it's, I think it has a lot to do with just in the moment, like in the moment you're seeking instant gratification from something. Right. So like you tell a quick story that may or may not be true. People react to it and they react in a, in a sort of positive way in a way to make you like, Oh shit, you feel good about yourself, but it's a very short high. Yeah, you know? I, I guess that makes sense. You're you're not necessarily trying to downplay what happened. You're just trying to make it about you for this moment, for the gratification of this story is about me now. Well, some people, yeah. I think some people are just total scum of the earth. Well, or, there's that. <laughs> or completely about that. Yeah. yeah. So. But, uh, well, dude, you have homework. All right. So heavy metal parking lot. Heavy metal parking lot. What else? Hate, the most hated man on the internet. Is that what you? The guess? most hated man on the internet. Okay. Oh, shit, it's good. And then I'm not okay. Is that, is that all right? Yeah. Okay. I can do uh, some of that. <laughs> Hopefully. Do, do some of it. Okay. Do heavy metal parking lot for sure, and okay. do the most hated man on the internet. Okay. If you get time, out. If you don't get time, that okay. Fine. Whatever. It's fine. Okay. Um. Before we go, dear Deshaun Watson, please play poorly on friday do you want to know why i'm asking him to do that yes i do because if he plays well it's just going to create a bigger shitstorm around the suspension if he plays poorly people will go you know what fine he's not going to be our quarterback anyway for six games let's go let him get his head straight Mm. dear cleveland browns please go trade for Jimmy G. <laughs> you don't know how much we need him because we're one bad hit away on Brissett yep. from Josh motherfucking <laughs> Rosen being our starter. That's all. Uh, I have one question on that. 
As far as Deshaun Watson Watson suspension goes, does it only count for regular season? Yep. Really? Which is so nuts. That it's makes so nuts. no sense whatsoever. It's so nuts. So he well, may, why else would so you he explain may, the fact that he's starting tomorrow? That's Friday. my that's my point. Is like okay, he right now has a six game suspension. They're trying to get it to at least be a full year. And right. but he gets to he can possibly play three games. Yeah. Leading up leading up to it. What yeah. that what the hell? It but, makes no sense. But it's gonna really suck for Cleveland if he comes out and plays like dominant for those three games. Preseason, it doesn't matter. I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Look really bad, and then everyone will just go, okay, six games is enough. We feel bad enough for the Browns. I don't, know that, that, I anyway. don't know that that's how that's going to work. I think most people are going to be like, um, Cleveland, you guys really fucked up. Do you understand how bad he is? He's and how much money you gave him? He's not going to be bad. <laughs> I mean, Jakeem Grant did just tear his Achilles. That does, That sucks but he, it'll be fine. Dude, people keep forgetting about all of the weapons that whoever plays quarterback for the Browns is going to have. You yeah. have the best running back tandem in football. I know Kareem Hunt just asked for a trade. I was going to say, Browns yeah. Except for your... <laughs> but then Nick Chubb went public, and he was like, this is my best friend on the team. Basically said, Kareem, please play. Please stay and play. Meaning don't have an attitude about it. Just write it out. Just write it out, please. Write it out with me. That whole thing, which I love. Nick Chubb is the fucking best. But it makes you uh, it makes you wonder how the team's going to look at him now. It'll be fine. Dude, it's the NFL. It happens all the time. Happens all the time. Hmm. Um, so many weapons, and I don't even want to continue naming them. I want to bring up one more thing. <laughs> Do you see the Little League baseball game where the kid got hit in the head? I did. And then... Yep. And the yeah, other one went we to console doing? him. Yeah, he went to console the little crybaby on the mound. What are we doing? If that's your kid, the kid who got hit, are you up in the stands screaming at him to stay on first base? Because I am. I don't know, man. It's just a, it's, a, it's just a testament to how old I'm getting. It, it, it's a it's a heartwarming story, I guess. Like, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, because these are the same kids who fucking dance when they get a fucking single. Like, fuck you. It's the first inning. You got a single. Calm down. So you're so if your kid does that, you're going to be mad? I'll be pissed. No, 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 no. My kid plays baseball. There will be no <laughs> celebratory moments <laughs> on the infield when you get a base hit or a double or a triple. Or when you get a home run, there's not going to be a bad flip. Did you win the Little League World Series in the bottom of the fucking sixth? Then you can bat flip. That's fine. You you do sound old right now. No, dude. I sound logical. Come on, man. Everything needs a celebration now. These kids are like... I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'm not into that. When I was 12... The, the, and we'll end on this story if you want. But when I was 12, same age as these kids, I was on a team who we were a good team, but we were a bunch of misfits, meaning like none of us had played together prior to the team. So it was a collection of, of players put together trying to win this specific league we were in. And it just, it didn't work out. So there was not a lot of like, 
camaraderie on the team. It was just like kind of like every kid for himself. Like I got to get hits, I got to get strikeouts, and so it was a very it was uh, it was miserable for me because I came in like last minute to the team and I was just like, oh god, I hate kids like this. Like I just want to play and like you know I want to win the league. I don't just want to do well for myself. That type of thing. Because when I was twelve, I was like, let's be honest, dude. You might play in high school, but you're not going to be a professional baseball player. Like at twelve, it became a reality. Like it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, I worked hard after 12 to like get better, but whatever. So like, but at 12, I was good and I could compete with the other 12 year olds, you know, Mm -hmm. wasn't the best, but I was good. So like we're playing this team. We'll we'll call them a uh, inner city team, if you will. Really good team. Okay. My pitcher hits a guy in the helmet. Kid fucking hits him like the wedge, the wedge of the helmet in the temple. Kid has to leave. Fucking ambulance comes, right? Now, cooler heads have prevailed for this incident. Now, everybody's pissed off. Everybody's on edge. Innings over. We go out. Next thing, we score three runs. We're leading now. So you can feel the tension getting. It's 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 building. The other parents on that team, they're fucking pissed. They're fucking screaming. Everybody's getting louder. Everybody's getting a little more rambunctious. Next inning, same pitcher who hit the kid in the head stays in the game. I'm just thinking, like, why are we not taking that kid out of the game? Let's take him out of the game. I think his time's done. I think it's safe to say we can take him out. Coach leaves him in. Oh, by the way, coach's son. Coach leaves him in. First batter of the following inning. Hits the kid in the leg. Just drills him. Just right in the back of the thigh. Now, best place to get hit. Right. You're playing baseball. Yeah. Back of the thigh. Yeah, for sure. This kid goes berserk. Charges the mound with the bat in his hand. Yeah. My coaches go to cut him off. One of my coaches gets tackled by his coach. One of his coaches. Parents are running on the field. Fucking police come. Like, there was no hugs. There was no. And you think <laughs> after this was all broken up, people were like, oh, we're really sorry. Fuck no. We were screaming at them as they were leaving. And as we were leaving, they were screaming at us. Like. That's how I grew up playing baseball. There were no hugs. After. Like, if that kid would have hit me, I would have been on first, like, staring at him. I would have been fucking me mugging him. I would have been calling him a fucking little bitch-ass motherfucker. Like, you know, like, what are we doing? Hugging him? I don't know. Whatever, dude. <laughs> I will say one thing. Like, the one of the most gross things is parents who, like, are, like parents who are standing there just yelling at refs or yelling at the other team or anything like that from the sidelines. Yeah. I mean, I hate parents that yell at refs like that. That was annoying. Um, my dad yelled at me. <laughs> I probably shouldn't. Well, there, there's, it, it was, there's a difference there. There is a huge difference. Yeah. He didn't yell at refs. He didn't yell at them. He yelled at me. Yeah. You know, um, but he also was my coach for many, many years. Uh, in baseball and in soccer. Um, but yeah, I mean, he didn't, but then when he, when he, he was not my coach, like he never coached me in basketball. And, uh, when he was not my coach, it was still me. He, you know, all of his attention was on me. Yeah. And the other thing too, there were parents who are legitimately like every call. Oh, boo. What are you doing? I'm like, no, oh, it was clearly a fucking travel. Like, why are you stop? <laughs> like, like, you like, Calm down. You're going to lose us the game. <laughs> yeah. I, 
one thing about that too, like, you know, you were talking about the kids who were are celebrating off of everything that they do. Oh, I fucking hate it. Man, me growing up, I think pretty much all the coaches that I had, I don't care if you're a starter or not, if you're celebrating off of anything like that, you're sitting. You're on, yeah. you're on the bench at that point. When you say I'm old. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, dude. No, yeah, dude. We fucking, we, so, this is for real. Uh, my basketball team, when I was in the, the sixth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, one of, one of those, one of those ages, but we were, um, we played Catholic youth council basketball, which is kind of like a big deal in St. Louis, uh, for basketball and for soccer, the other sports, not so much, but, um, but yeah, we won our league, right? And then after we win our league, you go to the city tournament. You play other schools from all around the city. So our first city game, my sixth or seventh grade, I can't remember which one it was, but we, so we were destroying this team, destroying this team. We had this really big kid on our team. We were a team full of white kids. We had one black guy and he was, uh, he was essentially one of the best players in the city. Um, Was just clowning on these fucking kids. Like we were just destroying these kids. So in the fourth quarter, he gets a block or something. We all jump off the bench and you know, the, the guys on the court at the time were like, so like overly, it was like too much. He benched all those guys to start the next game. Oh shit. <laughs> benched them. Now my, that year I was like, started sometimes didn't start that game. I started, but luckily I was on the bench when that happened. So I started the next game. I was surrounded by our fucking B squad our fucking JV squad and our fucking scrubs, dude, we got ran off the court. Now we only played for like that, that group of kids only played for like a minute, right. two minutes maybe. Yeah. Um, but it was enough to put a, a huge dent in the game where like we fucking lost the game. Was that a statement to make with a bunch of sixth graders? I don't know, but it fucking, I don't know if anybody learned anything from that, but. In the moment, in the moment, I I remember it vividly. (laughs) In the moment, everybody was probably just pissed, but I don't know. Maybe down, maybe down the road, it it affected some of the kids. You know what? I think my mom might have that game on video. (laughs) I'm gonna ask her for it. I'm gonna rewatch it. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? If so, that kid, we gotta post it on our YouTube. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I hit a couple of threes. There you go. That that kid. The kid I'm talking about with the block, he got kicked out of. So he actually like got recruited to play at a major, uh, major private school here in the area, and he got kicked out like two weeks into his freshman year. And I I don't know what's happened to the guy since. What did he get kicked out for? Uh, criminal shit. But I think he got set up by. Ironically enough, he got set up by another kid who played in that league that we played in. Jesus. Who also, it's it's a long story. We can talk about that off the show. I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> One of the guys is dead. Let's just say that. Jesus. Man, you really brought yeah, the man. show down to, to end it. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Mar-a-Lago, there. Oh, geez. Let's get out of here. All right. <laughs>